Hi, I'm Ryder Hask, and you're listening to the People's TV Podcast. If you're working from home and trying to get the most out of your video meetings, or figure out how to replace your in-person event with live streaming, this episode is for you. It's important to differentiate when we're talking about live streaming, when we're talking about person-to-person, where we're talking about web conferencing, screen sharing. There's a lot of different kind of nuances that makes each specific software or each specific service uh, important. That's Ian Fay. He's the co-founder of The Q, which is a live streaming technology company that focuses on interactivity. In this episode, Ian and I talk about the different capabilities of video conferencing applications and ways to improve production value when creating live streaming events. I hope you find this conversation useful and thanks for listening. All right, Ian, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday to you, sir. From my bunker to yours. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be coming up on my fifth week of work from home. How about you? Quite a while. Since the, the first whiff of something going down, I was like, I ah, guess I got to stay home. Yeah. So. <laughs> As we all know, live streaming, video conferencing, all that stuff is, has become more important now than ever. Yep. The first time that I actually live streamed was probably 2006. And I set up a Windows streaming server at my apartment and I had it embedded into my personal website. And back in 2006, everyone just called me creepy. So times have changed. Everybody's doing some sort of live call. So about eight years ago, I co-founded a company called Stream and we were hitting that uh, mobile live streaming wave at the time. Since then, Facebook kind of just gobbled up that space, YouTube Live, uh, Facebook Live. And where we pivoted more recently was with the interactive trivia, the live trivia games. And it seemed a lot of people jumped on that interactive uh, bandwagon at the time. And it's, it's kind of resurfaced. We've been getting a lot of calls about how do we make our event interactive? How do we add something special? And I think a lot of people are kind of scrambling at this point to do something more than just a, a FaceTime call or, or a Skype call, to, whether that's for audiences, whether that's for internal employees, forms of entertainment. People are trying to innovate on the fly just to figure out what we're going to do and because we don't know how long we're going to be hunkered down. Well, that's a really great setup for what I'd like to talk about, which is these various options that some people know. We can talk a little bit about the pros and cons of them and the the various options out there. You mentioned Skype, and that's actually what we're using right now. Let's just first talk about Skype. What's the, you know, good side, the bad side and, and limitations of it? Well, the great thing about Skype is Skype has been around the block. Skype is something that in regards to accessibility, everyone knows Skype is a, is a household name. And so if there's a chance that they know how to do anything, I mean, most, most grandparents know how to Skype from a usability standpoint, because it's been around so long, things like call recorder have been out there for you know, years now, and now it's becoming more appropriate and, and more useful since we're you know, trying to figure out ways to record these things. Right. Not only has the software been around, but even the plugins for it have gone through versions and updates so that they're pretty stable. We've recorded several hours now using Call Recorder, and I've never had like an error pop up. That, I think, is a good argument for using Skype in that capacity. I know that at least with Google Hangouts, it's a little bit more browser-based instead of it being like a standalone app. Correct. Google is known for its browser-based material, and that can become a benefit 
because the extra step of, hey, download and install this app is not as definite is send somebody a link, they click on the link and they're ready to go. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And the integration that Google Hangouts has done, particularly with Chrome or if you're using Gmail and Google Calendars, it auto-populates every time you make a calendar invite a Google Hangouts link. Yep. So it literally is just a one-click operation from sending a call invite to getting a video chat up and rolling. That That is actually a, a very nice feature of Google Hangouts, plus it's free. So I think the newest common product is, is called Zoom. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, <laughs> Zoom has like entered the lexicon, like entered the vocabulary right. uh, very quickly, it seems. Zoom being another product that's, that's in conversation around this topic, it's important to differentiate when we're talking about live streaming, when we're talking about person to person, where we're talking about web conferencing, screen sharing, there's a lot of different kind of nuances that makes you know each specific software or each specific service uh, important. So Zoom would be definitely something in the webinar conference world where you can have more than one viewer, you can have hosts, you can have a panel, um, they're very, Uh, in depth with the way that they have their administration. They've got an enormous amount of bells and whistles to do as much interactive with as many people as possible. I would consider Zoom more in that webinar, web conferencing world, whereas I would put Skype and say Google Hangouts. Google Hangouts is kind of a hybrid, but Skype would just be uh, more so that kind of person to person, one to one. It, It lives in the FaceTime world, whereas these other uh, products are offering more and more functionality. I just pulled up the various plans that Zoom has. So they they have a free version, which is pretty nice. Um, It says you can host up to 100 participants. Yep. Uh, You can have unlimited one-on-one meetings. But something that definitely is a big drawback is that the meetings are limited to 40 minutes. Right. This actually happened to us before where like, you're trying to do a recorded meeting and that recording and the meeting is going to end in 40 minutes. Yeah. Um, whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. My experience with Zoom, like the first time I used Zoom for a client, um, they, they requested by name and it was like that was part of the contract. We're going to we're going to use Zoom. Um, one of the big things that Zoom purports is that everything is automatically recorded because Everyone wants a recording of anything they do live, whether it's a person-to-person, a conference, or a broadcast. Everyone wants a, a, a copy. Right. Yeah, and that can be repurposed for training material or, or something yeah. else. And that makes good sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Well, just going through the list here, I see that there's a pro version that's 15 bucks a month. So the benefit there is that you can have 24-hour meetings, and there's like these admin control and features. Yep and it does give you cloud recording, yep. um, but it is limited. It looks like it's a gigabyte, one gigabyte of MP4. Yep. So I can, I can probably imagine that the business or enterprise versions, which are $19 a month, give you more storage, cloud mm-hmm. storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unlimited cloud storage. Well, the thing that you're kind of working with there as well is the encoding software that these particular uh, services have set up maybe at a lower bit rate or at a lower quality. So a gig is gonna get you more 
than you think it is. You know, when you're talking about how Zoom brings in a broadcast, it's most likely not gonna be 4K or 1080. It's not gonna be a, a high quality stream just because that's what costs the big money on the server side is you have to be able to you know, bring in that amount of information through, through the internet. And that's, that's what costs the money is the bandwidth. Yeah, that makes sense. The quality and cost extremely increase when Correct. you've got HD or higher stream. Yep. Not to jump over to things like YouTube or Facebook, but they definitely have uh, limitations and or premium services that offer high definition or even 4K options. But that's you're, you're going to pay for it because they pay for it. A couple of other comments, you know, observations I've had about for instance, Google Hangouts, as opposed to Zoom, say you've got uh, seven or eight or nine or 10 guests in the Hangout, the bandwidth seems to be kind of like spread among all those streams. Mm -hmm. So for instance, if somebody starts talking and the camera, the featured camera goes to them, it'll often be incredibly pixelated, like you can't even see the person's face sure. for a few, maybe up to like 10 seconds until yeah, the stream kind of catches up to them. Sure. And then you can start seeing and hearing them. Yep. When you're talking about a Google Hangout, being able to pull in multiple streams from multiple locations at whatever kind of bandwidth that they have coming out of their locations, because you've got the internet connection that they have, got to get up to Google services, servers, Google servers, crank the, the streams, encode them together and go to, to rebroadcast into your browser window. That's it's the variable bit rate, which you're familiar with as a filmmaker. The variable bit rate allows you to scale up or scale down depending on how choked any number of the pipes get. And that's what like is a big difficulty when doing anything live is you're at the mercy of almost unlimited variables on why something isn't working correctly. You know, is it raining over on your side of the neighborhood where there's a problem? Is there a squirrel jumping along the lines? I mean, there's just a lot of weird things that can go on when trying to get especially more than one or more than two streams, if you will, kind of jammed into one piece of software. Right. Yeah. And I think I've definitely noticed that with Netflix limiting some of their sure. shows to SD. Yep. And that's like a whole network load or neighborhood load, I guess. And because we're all pushing out video, you know, video is the most bandwidth intensive thing that there is. And that's why, you know, it wasn't until recently that we were able to do live from our phones because LTE hadn't been around. So the being able to open up the bandwidth of the entire internet uh, to receive this heavy load of, of video traffic, now that we're all broadcasting and having our own HD channels right out of our pockets, um, it's really putting a, a strain on the internet as a whole. Let's talk about the more exciting stuff, which is what we're trying to get into now, which is live streaming platforms that you know you can you can make events on. Sure. So I'm talking about things like Facebook Live, YouTube Live. Facebook Live is becoming synonymous with doing the live stream. It's like we're going to do a, a Facebook Live is, is how people talk about it now. And that's basically saying when you think about a YouTube or a Facebook situation, Think about classic live television or news. I mean, it's the same thing. It's just been turned digital and, and run through the internet. And that works because everybody's got Facebook on their computers, on their phones. And you know, it goes back to what we were talking about with the Google Hangouts is you just send a link and people can get right into it. 
you know, from a webcam uh, type situation on up to a, a full broadcast with multiple cameras and switching and graphics and all of that. In order to make that upgrade, what's the like essential elements? What we typically use is, uh, is, is Blackmagic products. Um, Blackmagic has multiple types of audio video interfaces that you can use to, to bring in video and bring in audio directly to a computer. Then you've got to hook it up in the software um, to make sure that your video that's being captured is getting into the, the place that you want it. And there's a step before it goes to, to Facebook Live. There are many different types of software encoders. The more popular ones are called OBS and Wirecast. Those are probably the, the bigger names that you've heard. OBS is an open source and Wirecast is, is not. But what those do is those take the audio and video that you've captured through your uh, capture device and then sends that directly to Facebook Live. Let's just say you're doing a conference or an event and up at the front of the, the venue or behind the speaker, there's a video or a PowerPoint that's playing. You can kind of cut those in like you would see more in a, in a professional television situation that's got uh, preloaded stuff that you can add to your live stream. All of that's done locally. Once you bring in your audio and video, you put graphics on it, you do whatever you want to do with it, it, it encodes it into one single stream and sends it to a point on Facebook's servers in the cloud. And then from that point, you're able to distribute that to your destinations. Okay, so what's the difference between Facebook as a platform and YouTube as a platform for live streaming? I would also add in Vimeo because they're making a very hard push. Really, they all kind of work the same. I mean, it's the same nuts and bolts in the back end. I mean, we all use Wowza servers. We all do a very similar process to get our audio and video out to the destinations. Um, they just have things like social networks attached to it. They have things like advertising attached to it. It's just basically where are your people and then that's where you go. Okay, got it. Yeah, so let's talk about the multicasting then. Sure. This is a kind of a tricky thing because Facebook has certain measures in place that prevent you from simulcasting. Now, simulcasting means you could also send multiple streams straight from your origin source. So I could send something from my computer up to YouTube, send something from my computer up to Facebook, send something from my computer up to Vimeo, but then you're sending three times the amount of the bandwidth up, you know, the outgoing internet connection from your, from your location. Um, there are some other services. Um, Boxcast is one and Switchboard Live is another one. Does it tax your computer less? Is that the benefit? It taxes your computer less and it also relieves your, your upload speed. A lot of times upload speed is, is much lower than a, than a download speed because most people don't broadcast HD out of their venues very often, especially now when you're thinking about like what kind of bandwidth can you push upstream of your internet connection? You know, we, we certainly don't want to triple it by, by sending three streams out to three separate locations. So you send one stream up as high as quality and as high bandwidth as you can and then you rely on cloud-based encoding to distribute that stream to its ultimate destinations. Okay, let's talk about the interactivity because you had mentioned trivia. The interactivity that we built, you know, it was something that had kind of been fairly new at the time. We're creating services now as a part of a SDK that people can put into their own apps. 
whether it's a trivia, you know, and, and basically trivia can be boiled down to multiple choice questions. And we have another bit of functionality where it's, it's kind of typing in your answers. So you're polling or you're asking questions. And if you just boil it down, it's when you're talking about any type of audience, whether that's customers or employees or e-learning or any of that type of, of, of situation, you're able to get real life interactivity through questions uh, to whatever your audience is doing. There are a lot of people trying to get interactive technologies out there. There are games that people try to do like on a, a smaller level that are trying to interface with things like Zoom. But to truly have something interactive, you're going to be involving a premium service like the Q. And we have the software on our servers that we built and you know, working with us would get you the ability to do interactive, whether that's your website or through your app, or we're working on making some web-based stuff that anybody can use right now. Got it. And so that Q platform, is that something that plugs in to Facebook or YouTube, or is it a separate website that has this interactivity function? It will broadcast up to our servers where we will overlay the game mechanics. And so that is a proprietary uh, piece of mechanics that we put on top of the video. And that makes the, the interactivity with iPhone or Google apps they're able to have interactive touch based on you know whether they're asking questions or taking a poll or however that works. And what we're really trying to hurry to get off the ground is a web-based player. So it takes us back to that situation where we send somebody a link, they click the link, they become the host, and then everyone else can tune in to watch the broadcast via a web browser. So we're, we're trying to give an option where we strip, strip away the, the need for an application. Nice. Yeah, I can definitely see, especially for like educators, how critical that could be. Mm -hmm. Because instead of just making a presentation to the class, correct, you could also do polling, Q&A, quizzes, mm -hmm. all kinds of interactivity. So people aren't just like drifting off mm -hmm. at their computers. <laughs> and, right, right. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's exactly the, the problem everyone's trying to solve is, okay, you know, this is the, the, the visual version of a conference call. And the majority of people who sit at home on a conference call are on mute, washing their clothes, doing dishes, or, or zoning out. And so to have something that keeps people interactive minute by minute is, is a huge improvement. The last thing I just wanted to get your opinion on is people who have scheduled or upcoming live events, whether it's fundraisers or parties or whatever, what can we do so they've got a high quality or interesting or dynamic event. I'm, I'm thinking like the bells and whistles equivalent to having nice projectors or nice flower arrangements on the tables and you know all the things that people do to make events nice. Gotcha, gotcha. Let's dial in that uh, question a little bit more. Will there be a crew, a professional crew available that will show up to the event or do we want something that people can do themselves without a lot of technical equipment or expertise? Ah, man, that's a great question. I do think that there's going to be at least some level of support here. So imagine that there is a studio and like one crew member who is responsible sure. for running the live stream. That would, that would be pretty tight, but basically you want multiple cameras 
or switch to different views. You want a wide shot, you want a close-up shot, and you want a medium shot just to make sure that what you're seeing on the screen is is dynamic. Something that, that we never talk about enough is, is the quality of the audio, making sure that your audio is as good as it can be. Bringing that into a, an encoding software like OBS or Wirecast, and then sending up to Facebook, uh, YouTube, or Vimeo. Vimeo has a simulcasting option within the, their software. And so if you chose to do the Vimeo route, you could ultimately simulcast through their software. The limitation there is the startup cost for that is it's an annual fee that you pay all at once. Depending on the budget, that kind of gets a little tight. And then send it out to, to, to those destinations. That would be what I would consider the mainstay of option one. If you wanted something that's a little bit more interactive, you know, you can definitely give us a call. Um, we've even been working with a group called Event Gives, where it's kind of live donations. When talking about making things more interactive, don't forget that the comments box is still an option. When people join your live stream, make sure that you have some sort of good visual on who's interacting with you. Whether that's through the software itself, like a Facebook Live comments or YouTube Live comments, but also you can have things like people live tweeting and, and answering things that way. People just wanna know that the people who are broadcasting on the front end are, are listening to, to what the audience has to say or you know, listening to their questions. Having somebody on your team who you can call or work with to like while you're in the middle of the live stream, even if it's remotely, and when, when you say this doesn't work or that doesn't work or, or, or you have concerns about something, you have somebody there who can kind of at least remote in to your, to your local computers or just be on the phone and, 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 and make it all okay. That's super critical is to have basically a technician who's overseeing and knowing what potential issues are, even if there's nothing that you can do about it because it's some internet issue that's uncontrollable. Just knowing that right. is like a peace of mind that it's not a user error or something that's controllable. Technical difficulties are real and it becomes very stressful just to be like, oh, we're live and people are looking at us and something's not working, what do we do? Um, that's when it's good to have somebody in your ear or at least a, you know, a phone call away or however you want to interact. And, and technically, if, if we have enough lead time, you know, it can be done at someone's residence. That, I think, is another piece that is very interesting because if whoever's residence has strong enough Internet, there's no difference between the studio and their house. Mm -hmm. Anything else you wanted to talk about? This has been really great. One last kind of like tip is don't forget the power of your mobile device. It is a camera. It is a microphone. It is an encoder. It has got a connection to the internet. You can make stuff happen with your phone. That's a, that's a viable option that everyone has. Particularly nowadays with the phones that have nicer cameras and even like attachments you can put on the cameras, you can put microphones on them. So thanks so much, Ian, for talking with us about this. I'm sure people are gonna be interested to hear about this. So appreciate your time. My pleasure.